This Saturday and Sunday, Saturday night and Sunday is a Celtic holiday, the holiday of Beltane or May Day. Uh, sometimes in Germanic countries, Saturday night is called Walpurgisnacht, the eve of May Day. Um, in, the, in the Celtic imagination, the year is split into, you might say, a light half of a circle and then a dark half. And Beltane is the crossover point from the darkness into the light. Um, and so it's considered a very auspicious holiday in the Celtic season. Um, it's said it's one of the two days when, as they like to say, the veil between the two worlds is thin. You know, the, the world of, of rational everyday life and the, the magical world of the wee people or the fairies. Um, and it's often imagined in the Celtic imagination that there was a, a kind of wild energy afoot on Beltane, that, that uh, people would come from the other side and they would cause various kinds of trickery. And um, there were even traditions of, you know, Celts going out into the woods and banging pots and trying to make noise to scare Christians, you know, this sort of thing. Um, and so it just got me thinking about wild energy and wildness and and what what the relationship of that is to to what buddhism calls discipline um and so i'm calling the the talk discipline versus tameness um and discipline of course is one of the paramitas of the buddha one of the perfections of the buddha um you know, it's, I think we, we all understand that the Buddha or any enlightened person gets there through a tremendous amount of discipline. And if you think of discipline being on a kind of spectrum, um, you know, one end of the spectrum, there would be the people that are very undisciplined. And at the extreme at the extreme end, it would be the people that are completely impulsive and can never keep a promise, you know, that sort of thing. Um, probably those people don't often make it to a Monday night meditation sangha. And then at the other end, you might say they're the people that are very compulsive, very, you know, almost, you know, anal retentive, you know, over-controlling, very neurotic or over-tamed, you might say. Um... And of course, what the Buddha imagines as discipline, you know, Buddhism is the middle way. It's at some balance point between those. You know, it's it's this balance of, you know, this almost precise balance of what is controlled and what is skillfully let go or allowed. Um, And, you know, it's it's funny. I think the people that are people that are way over on the, the undisciplined side, you know, struggling to get more toward the Buddha Dharma, I think they would very readily say, I need more discipline, you know. And I, I think there's often just an understanding of, you know, I wish I were more self-disciplined, that sort of thing. But the funny thing is that I think at least sometimes, especially in American culture, the people who are neurotically over-controlled 
they might mistake that for discipline and might not need not might not realize that where they are is not particularly close to Buddha Dharma, you know. And I, I, I say this in a very um self-effacing kind of way because I know that in many ways I started in more a place like that. Um you know, and and I'd say among other things, much of my spiritual life has been trying to work more toward something like the balanced Buddha Dharma rather than, you know, a neurotic over controlled kind of place. And I've been thinking about this in relation to the fact that we are we humans are animals. We have an animal body that has been shaped by millions of years of evolution. Um, and it's something that we don't necessarily... Um, American culture is not uh, quick to acknowledge that. American culture is a very head-centered culture, a very verbal culture, a very logical, rational kind of culture. Um, and so it's interesting... If you consider, how to say it, you consider what it looks like, the images that come to mind when we say a person is going wild, person is living a wild life. Um, many times that wild life is, is something pain-driven. Many times there's something rather self-destructive about that, that wildness. Uh, not in all cases, but in many cases. Um, it's not a quote on the quote sheet, but but Rizma Menikin said at one point, you know, show me a person who doesn't have self-discipline and I'll show you a person who is lacking in self-love in some way. You know, and it, it is true that self-discipline is one of the one of the more powerful ways that we can we can demonstrate self-love in a in a tangible ongoing way you know it's kind of the 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 tough love of a you know a loving parent or a teacher that sort of thing and in thinking about our animal bodies i was thinking about animals in general and these funny words that we have tame animals versus wild animals. And, you know, tame animals, those would be, you know, house pets and barnyard animals, the, the, the very domesticated kinds of animals. And basically what we mean by tame is the animal is willing to do what we want. You know, it, it, it's very much in relation to our own volition and our own plans, you know. And and what's distinctive about a wild animal is it really doesn't care at all what I want. <laughs> you know, it's doing its own thing. And it's also interesting to think about, been thinking a lot about, especially predator wild animals, because we human beings, whether we like it or not, we are predators. You know, we have eyes on the front of our head. We... We, our bodies are designed as, as predators are designed. Um, if you think of, say, a hawk, a wolf, a tiger, and you think about the behavior of these animals, 
these, these quote-unquote wild animals, it doesn't really look like the images that come to mind when we think of a human being, quote, going wild. You know? That, in fact, those animals live with an, a kind of incredible discipline. There's incredible focus, incredible intensity. Um, it's, it's not a consciously chosen discipline. It's, it's, you know, it's instinct honed by millions of years of, of, of evolution. Um, but there's something, there's a way that there's an incredible discipline in any of these animals, in any of these predators. And so I think there's a powerful lesson there. You know, our bodies, our animal cells, which are, which are often expressed through our deep emotions, um, that has a, it, it's a wild animal in the sense of those animals. In other words, it's not, some, it's not about going wild. It's about having a discipline of its own. You know, in other words, the body has a discipline of its own and a wisdom of its own, which is not necessarily aligned with every concocted plan <laughs> that the head can come up with, you know. Um, and what does it mean simply to, to pay attention to the body and be acquainted with the body's own inherent rhythms, its own inherent wisdom? the wisdom of its own inherent discipline, you know? And, you know, are, are the ways that ego can live that supports that discipline rather than, you know, impedes it or runs contrary to it. Another quote that's not on the quote sheet, but it's a beginning of a poem by Mary Oliver that's probably very familiar. You do not have to be good you do not have to walk a hundred miles through the desert on your knees, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And it's a, that, that line is such a funny line. You only, it's like, you know, you only have to climb Mount Everest, you know. It, it's one of these things like you only have to do it, but it might take a whole life to get to the point where we could just be so in touch with ourselves that we could simply let our body love what it loves, you know. There's an image in Buddhism, an iconic image in, in um, Mahayana Buddhism. Padmasambhava was a sage, and among other things, he was the apostle of Buddhism, to the nation of Bhutan. And one of the, the images, the legendary images, is that Padmasambhava arrived in Bhutan riding on a tiger. And it, it's such a profound image because, I mean, first of all, just it speaks to just the absolutely transformative impact that Buddhism had on all segments of Bhutanese society. Um, but it's also a striking image of integration in a way, of, of the, the human person being totally in sync 
with the animal energy and able to, as it were, ride it as a powerful vehicle in the world. So at this point, I'll share the quote sheet. First, I'll share it in with the, the zoomies. So a quote from Rumi, just a, a wonderful image. Grapes want to turn into wine. <laughs> yeah. From Washington Irving. Little minds are tamed and subdued by misfortune, but great minds rise above them. And in Irving's time, he was using the term misfortune. We, in our modern time, we might use the word trauma. That that. In some sense, it's trauma that lands people on the the edge of the spectrum, you know, the the compulsive, over-controlled, neurotic kind of place. Trauma puts people there. Walt Whitman, in a famous line, said, I am too not a bit tamed. I too am untranslatable. I sound my barbaric yawp over the rooftops of the world. And I love that idea of being untranslatable, you know, in other words, you know, I'm going to just be so thoroughly myself, it may not translate, you know. G.K. Chesterton says, madness does not come by breaking out, but by giving in, by settling down in some dirty little self-repeating circle of ideas, by being tamed. Khalil Gibran said, But you, children of space, you restless in rest, you shall not be trapped or tamed, for that which is boundless in us abides in the mansion of the sky, whose door is the morning mist, whose windows are songs and silences of the night. Gary Snyder said, Off the trail is another name for the way. And sauntering off the trail is the practice of the wild. This is where, paradoxically, we do our best work. But we need paths and trails, and we'll always be maintaining them. You must first be on the path before you can turn and walk into the wild. That one is deep. Mm -hmm. Osho said, Take hold of your own life. See the whole of existence is celebrating. The trees are not serious. The birds are not serious. The rivers and oceans are wild, and everywhere there is fun, everywhere there is joy and delight. Watch existence, listen to the existence, and become part of it. You know, and it's funny also, that's another aspect of the wild animals. All wild animals, as part of their life, they play. Wolves certainly have play. Tigers have play. Even birds of prey have play. You know, and but it's a play unique to every animal, you know. What is the play, the form of play, that is unique to the animal of your body? Tom Hennon said, 
Help me to be in the world for no purpose except for the joys of sunlight and rain. Keep me close to the edge where everything wild begins. Paul Coelho said, very simply, dreams cannot be tamed, dreamers cannot be ruled. Tara Brock said, If our hearts are ready for anything, we are free to be ourselves. There's room for the wildness of our animal cells, for intimacy and understanding, creativity and productivity. There's room for spirit, for the light of awareness to suffuse our moments. The Tibetans describe this confidence to be who we are as the lion's roar. Michael Pollan says, But wildness is more a quality than a place. And though humans can't manufacture it, they can nourish and husband it. The gardener cultivates wildness, but he does so carefully and respectfully in full recognition of its mystery. It looks like we had a little, I guess the photocopy didn't turn out so well on this side. Mine was okay. Oh. Oh. Mine's okay. All right. Well, all right. Um... It is still our destiny, our life, but the sense of satisfaction involved in the possibility of fulfilling its promise may depend upon a brave participation, a willingness to hazard ourselves in a difficult world, a certain form of wild generosity with our gifts, a familiarity with our depths, our own discovered surprising breath, and always a long practice and robust vulnerability equal to what any future may offer. Words from the poet David White. John Elridge says, What if those deep desires in our heart are telling us the truth, revealing to us that we were meant to live? God gave us eyes that we might see. He gave us ears that we might hear. He gave us will that we might choose. He gave us hearts that we might live. The way we handle the heart is everything. Daniel Laporte said, what if desire weren't an urge to be tamed, but a beacon of truth to be followed? Susie Kasem said, every creature was designed to serve a purpose. Learn from the animals, for they are there to teach you the way of life. There's a wealth of knowledge that is openly accessible in nature. Our ancestors knew this and embraced the natural cures found in the bosom of the earth. Their classroom was nature. They studied the lessons to be learned from the animals. Much of human behavior can be explained by watching the wild beasts around us. They are continually teaching us about ourselves and the way of the universe. But most people are too too blind, blind to watch and listen. Thank you. Nikita Gill said, Some days I am more wolf than woman, and I am still learning how to stop apologizing for my wild. Victoria Erickson said, Half of me is filled with bursting words, and half of me is painfully shy. I crave solitude, yet also crave people. I want to pour my life and love into everything, yet also nurture my self-care and go gently. I want to live within the rush of primal, intuitive decision, yet also wish to sit and contemplate. This is the messiness of life that we all carry, and 
carry and something is obscured there. Multitudes. Oh, that we all carry multitudes and so much so must sit with the shifts. We are complicated creatures and ultimately the balance comes from understanding. Be water, flowing, flexible and soft, subtly powerful and open. Something in serene. Wild. Wild and serene, able to accept all changes yet led to the pull of steady things. It is enough. I don't know why my photocopy has problems here. Um, Carl Forhard said, It's time to be wild again. Take a prophet or poet on the journey and float to the mystic. Dive into the deep mysteries of life and let yourself sink long enough to know what can be imagined, not to, what can only be imagined, not defined. Take a step out into the desert with those who have ventured there and find the mystery and paradox and nuance not certainty and doctrine. Sandra Trabazzi said, this is what it means to be wild again, is to peel back the niceties of society. I have had too many of these, the niceties. I have become one myself, a person like a platitude, pleasing and flat. And finally, Jakob Steidrum said, I wish I could stop trying to tame the wild god. <laughs> 